Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You said Dupre and Willis went into cardiac arrest at the exact same time, right? Right. Which means that for a period of minutes, both men were technically dead. Technically, but we resuscitated Willis. You resuscitated his body. Mulder. Two men died in that crash room, Scully. One man came back. The question is, which one? That's the EX Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the X Files one by one, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, ex wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching the X Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex wife of Jenny Owen Youngs, and I've only ever seen 15 episodes of the X Files. Today we are talking about season one, episode 15, Lazarus. Lazarus was written by Alex Gansa and Howard Gordon and directed by David Nutter and originally aired on February 4th, 1994. It's interesting and something that I should have done some research into because the recent episodes have been two weeks apart from each other in their air dates, not one week. And that's happened like a couple times. So I don't know. Latoya, can you hear me? Can you tell me what's happening? This is the one, according to IMDb, where the consciousness of a dangerous criminal possesses an FBI agent who is also Scully's ex-boyfriend. Producer Latoya Ferguson gives this episode (laughs) a scary rating of one out of five love affairs I almost envy. All right. Um, Big thoughts on this episode. Uh... You know, Jenny, you've prompted me, sort of nudged me to opine about how I feel about Scully and her lack of believing in conjunction with Scully and her little cross necklace that she wears Mm. uh, on the outside of her shirt. And I feel like this episode is really just smashing those two concepts together. Lazarus, of course, uh, raised from the dead, uh, one of the stories in the New Testament. Uh, And that uh, raising from the dead was in the story done by Jesus and a way to get his followers to believe the stragglers, you know, he was like, hey, OK, you don't believe me? Check out this trick. Um, Lazarus had been dead four days. Of course, Willis only uh, 14 minutes, but still the the nail. Wait, I thought Lazarus was dead three days. Oh, oh maybe I'm thinking of Jesus, actually. Carry on. <laughs> 
Well, actually, you know, various biblical resurrections, <laughs> difficult to keep them all straight. And they happened back to back. What I that's what I read that like the resurrection of Lazarus was one of the last things Jesus did before he was probably I don't even think he wanted anyone to necessarily believe him. He was just like, I better practice this one before I'm trying yeah. to do it, you know, in, yeah, a, yeah, in a short yeah. span of time. But all that to say this sort of like it's not really a resurrection. It's not really a whatever. We'll talk about it. But I do think it's cool. Like the concept is cool that this is like uh, Scully is being pushed to perhaps believe. Is this enough of that? Clearly not. But <laughs> but also then how does she believe in Jesus? I'm, I I have questions. Anyway, those are my big thoughts. The mystery of faith, Kristen. Yeah. Well, why can't you apply the mystery of faith to the supernatural and the paranormal? Uh, because, you know, sometimes it's easier to adhere to a belief system, uh, that your family has handed down through generations. Mm. Um, and that's like a a part of your larger sort of like cultural situation Okay, uh, than it is, you know, aliens is very fringy, (laughs) at least... Back back hey, in nineteen ninety four. Back in the day, Jesus was pretty fringy himself. You know, sure, what I mean? sure. But you know, you've got a couple thousand intervening years for, sure. for you know word to be spread for his cult following <laughs> to really, <laughs> really, really intensify. Gel. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I liked that. I thought that this episode was good. You know, it was no beyond the sea. Yeah, I was surprised that this was a David Nutter episode, not. Because, like, I think the direction is, like, good. It's chill. It looks yeah, great. It looks sure. great. Uh, but it's not... It doesn't feel like an episode that's, like, quite of his caliber. I wonder if they picked him because he did such an amazing job with Beyond the Sea, like, capturing so much of Scully's yeah. stuff, you know? Her sort of, like, emotional... The Scully's big episode. Mm-hmm. This is, like, oh, Scully's... Someone from Scully's past is uh, <laughs> cropping up now. We'll get into the details in a bit. But I wonder if they were hoping that David Nutter would be able to deliver some really powerful internal Scully drama. But I don't know if the script really is up to the task. The script, the locations, right? Like, I feel like what he was working with in Beyond the Sea was just much more expansive and... I don't know, but um, there's nowhere to begin except for at wait. The... Oh, my general episode feelings. Oh, I thought those were your general. I'm so sorry. No, I was. Danny. That was just me responding to you. I okay. think. Got it. Got it. What is a podcast if not two people talking about a thing, but then also talking about how they're talking about the thing? Oh my god, <laughs> Kristen, no. <laughs> All right, tell me your general thoughts before we go to the uh, bank. My my only other general thought besides the Nutter v. writers uh, <laughs> is Mulder's hair is looking especially buoyant in this episode. There's a scene where he's running towards the like apartment where Willis and Lula and Scully are, where he is so clean shaven and his hair is like defying gravity you know that song from the mm-hmm. musical wicked it applies i thought about making the exact same reference wow. to you but when i was thinking about it i was like you know that song from frozen <laughs> um you know that song from adina menzel i don't know which one yeah. <laughs> something adina menzel does <laughs> Kristen, oh, i'm mm-hmm. glad there was at least a connection that i 
wasn't uh, mm-hmm. consciously aware I of. I got you. Uh, Mulder's hair in this episode is the equivalent of Mulder in the episode Space. <laughs> it's bouncy. Mm-hmm. It's enthused. Mm-hmm. It's in the bloom of youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ready to take on the world. Mulder is excited about space. Mulder's hair is excited about competition from ex-boyfriends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so ex-boyfriends. At the bank, why do we think Scully is even here? I have the same question. I'm so confused about how the <laughs> FBI works, which should be just the pull quote from this entire podcast, I'm sure. For sure. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, is she just, is she a free agent? Can anyone scoop her up onto their case? Like, I thought that she had to be with Mulder, their partner. So why would Scully be just doing a bank robbery case with her ex-boyfriend from the violent crimes unit? And, you know, why would she be doing it? <laughs> Kristen. With a briefcase that is... <laughs> completely empty except for one gun one gun it's like loose yeah. like clattering around in there but then but then shortly shortly to be joined by one deposit slam <laughs> and and do jack willis is like all like unit one blah 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 they're they are the picture of stealth uh waiting oh. for this Also, imagine that like a bank robbery is about to happen by heavily armed, at least one heavily armed person in a duo where you know that this these bank robbers have killed seven people at minimum, robbed a million banks, just two agents. How about a vest, y'all? Just how about a vest? Some protective wear. Yeah. If FBI, if you need advice, you can call us. We're happy to give you some. Later, there are. Uh, you know, agents disgu- with fake utility fake vans yeah. and agents selling Bibles and like all of this shit. Just to save Scully, not even for the bank robbery yeah. itself. Every so. every person in this bank right now should be an undercover agent. Honestly, like is somewhere in my like unconscious, I was surprised when everyone else was scared because it, like in my mind, clearly so many more of these folks had to be police no. slash FBI agents. But no. Um, OK, so outside in a car, yeah. Warren Dupre and Lula Phillips, a couple are getting ready to rob this bank and they have this bit. OK, on okay, just. Skipping ahead, we all we've all watched the episode, mm-hmm. or you're just in for the you know the ride, whatever. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, if I were Lula, I would be like, "Let's get rid of this guy." I have the same <laughs> Let's note. Let's get rid of this guy. Uh, same note, this, Jenny. With the stars and our love and all the oceans, uh, they just don't seem like a match. They seem like two very different types. And yeah, Warren I- is. A little much. I think that Lula probably was into it like in the beginning and also maybe for the first like one to two bank robberies. But I think it's been steadily going downhill since then. Dupre, when he, Jenny, his love is too much. But also when he licks his finger and wipes it on her dirty face, that is when I said, you should kill this man. You absolutely (laughs) should kill this man. Please do it. Yeah, I I did not appreciate that oh either. Oh, my God. Uh, we get a very meaningful shot uh, that lingers on Warren's arm tattoo. Okay. 
And then, Kristen, we get the creepy, skittering, pizzicato string thing mm-hmm. oh that to me is the sound of the X-Files. I don't remember talking about it up until this point, so I'm wondering if it hasn't, if this is the first time it's happening. Yeah, I don't even like, know what you're talking about, actually. Like, in my like, sound files, okay. I don't have it. It's like it's like the signature sound of the show. Okay, so think of like like a bunch of like really tight rubber bands. Okay. All stretched at like different tautnesses. Okay. Uh or you know like the part um above the nut of the guitar like yeah, yeah. where the oh, string yeah. Love goes to fuck through around with and that like then goes the to the tuning peg mm-hmm. and it, it's all like yeah. up there. Okay, so like some kind of blend of those two sounds like rubber bands and the the guitar string above the nut before the tuning peg, super super tight. It's just sort of like this like plucky, like creepy, a crawly kind skittery. of yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. That is like that might be aside from Mulder and Scully and Tombs, the thing that I remember the most hmm. from not the from uh, cunning watching the show rub. <laughs> and the thumb rub. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but I just want to call that out. Yeah. Looking so forward to your auditory um, education for later in the episode uh, when we actually sit down at a mixing board um, and and do some sound work, some audio work. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I'm excited for it. I'm upset about the tattoo. I like I understand. And and when we talked about yellow jackets, I think I talked about this a little bit that like I don't know what the lift is when you're making a show and you need to make things make sense to all kinds of people. Right. Like you don't. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But just moms of the world. Yes. Children of the world who are uh, inappropriately watching this show. Yeah, no offense to moms, but I think Jenny is specifically thinking about my mom, Rose Russo, I, I and am, saying moms. Yeah, my mom who watched an entire movie called Barry and only at the end realized that it was about President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama at the end was like, oh, the whole movie. She watched the whole thing. Um, so, like, I get it. I get that some people need the visual cue but we should not need this. And also the tattoo has like no, I don't understand the significance of it either. Like why? The, like the, the issue to me is that there's not, I mean, we talk a bit, I think about this show, not be, feeling Just like before, burdened. Before you go uh, forward, Jenny, I sometimes when I listen back to our pod, I'm like, maybe we didn't even say the thing that we're about to talk about. So the tattoo on Dupre's arm transfers to Jack's arm when the, essence of right. Dupre moves into Jack's body okay that's what we're and there's simply about. there's simply no reason for it and and this show I celebrate that it often doesn't feel burdened by the obligation to explain every last reason for you know I mean it's a show about the supernatural and the paranormal so cool but if we're talking about um the soul or as this episode chooses to call it the essence right mm-hmm. of someone going into yeah. or consciousness sorry sorry uh if we're talking about someone's consciousness going into a different body what does a tattoo have un- okay the only if they had been like this is a tattoo that like they have matching tattoos the you know like mm-hmm. warren and lula they got them when they were you know like getting married or whatever like if there was some kind of explanation even hinted at for like a deeper meaning to the tattoo i feel like that would have 
made it just feel a lot better. Right now, I'm just like so just a little near-death experience and then your consciousness and also your tattoos are transferred got, to another body. But not your diabetes. Those, those, <laughs> that stays. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it was yeah. a little bit too, that, I mean, you know. Uh... As they said in The Godfather, Kristen, take the tattoo, leave the diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of this exchange where Lula is like, get the fuck out of my fucking car. I cannot wait to drive away from you, you <laughs> fucking nightmare man um we see the tattoo but we also see this wild mask so the the thumbnail of this episode cool mask cool mask the thumbnail on that um, of the episode is this mask so i really did not know that this was going to be about a bank robbery because i like mm. just didn't put two and two together um but cool mask. Like, is this episode about a skull yeah what is the skull going to do at the bank i thought i only <laughs> understand that you're robbing a bank if you're wearing a mask of a u.s uh president a former u.s president that's right, my right, cue right. you know for sure okay robbery you've heard of it i have uh warren dupre shoots jack willis scully shoots warren dupre at the hospital wait oh okay the mask slides across <laughs> oh, yeah. the floor <laughs> okay you know <laughs> Choices were made. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes, sometimes even a world class director yeah. is just trying to make the best <laughs> of a wacky situation. <laughs> yeah. At the hospital, Dupre is is dead, or dying, or yeah. or he's a slip of paper floating up at the ceiling. Right, right, right. And Jack is getting defibrillated mm-hmm. uh, to no effect. And the doctors are, like, ready to call it because it's been 13 minutes. But Scully says, I'm a doctor. Go up to 400 or I'll do it myself. And they zap him a couple more times. Nobody notices Dupre's body is jolting on the other table each time Willis gets shocked. And then, beep, 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 he's back. Or is he another meaningful lingering shot on the now dead Dupre's arm tattoo? Goo 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 ga 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 Jenny, you you were so excited about talking us through that whole scene that you literally said that Scully referred to herself as a doctor and did not call for the jingle. What kind of doctor? Hey, doctor of the literary arts. Yes, a medical doctor. Also, is this allowed? I don't think that if you're, it's a naval hospital, question mark. I don't know if they move him to the naval hospital or whatever, but like, I just don't think that if you are in the FBI, you are allowed to actually take over like she threatens to do. That seem it seems like that's a doctor's domain, not a former medical doctor, current FBI agent. Well, do you ever stop being a medical doctor, Kristen? Oh my God. I don't actually know. There are a lot of choices in this. Yeah, your cer- certification. Certification. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There she goes, folks. Uh, expires. My certification for simply being a person expired quite some time ago. Um, I do not like a lot of choices in this episode, but I really love the bodies 
that go up together with the defibrillator or whatever. I think that's a very mm-hmm. cool choice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We see the tattoo okay. just in case we missed it. Credits. And then Jack Willis's hospital room. Kristen, mm. one of these ventilator tubes is not looking clean at all. Also, the idea of this man pulling his own tube out of his... Blip. No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't even like when people pull IVs out of their arms, though I have done that myself to my (laughs) own arm. But pulling a fucking respirator tube? No. Thank you. Jenny. Uh, Yes? Have you heard of a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I have. I have. This gave me, this whole scene gave me Faith wakes up from a coma and finds clothing to sneak out of the hospital vibes. You know, give me the shot. Give me the side by side. (laughs) Shot for shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack has nice calves. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. Misty uh, Quigley would absolutely have a crush on Jack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he he locates a sweater and some pants. That sweater rules, on. by the way. I fucking love the sweater he finds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he gets ready to choke this nurse with some medical tubing, <laughs> but then it doesn't come to that. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, you know that feeling, Kristen, when you've just removed your own ventilator tube and you're trying to escape a hospital undetected, but you, oh God, at the worst times you start having flashbacks to the bank robbery where you were shot to death. Oh my God. Before and you, you were see your face and it's revived. not your face. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. 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 And then you, and then uh, you see that like, your face. Because it's wrong. Yeah. You see your face. It's not your face. And then you have to sneak to the morgue in a <laughs> jacket that you also have found and then when you see your dead body in the morgue you realize oh my god I need my wedding ring I have a question um, very romantic in this journey that you've taken me on where now I watch um, sci-fi genre fantasy shows um, with more frequency than usual how many times do you think I will have to watch someone's finger get cut off to access the wedding (laughs) ring they are wearing because I'm (laughs) Up to two. <laughs> I'm up to two, Jenny. This, you know, there's a lot. If we're lucky, the limit does not exist, oh Kristen. God. Um, I loved Christopher Allport, who's playing Jack Willis slash the Dupre Willis sort of turducken. <laughs> uh, his facial response to seeing Dupre's body on the slab. Yeah. It's subtle. It's nice. Yeah, I like, I like this guy. I like him. Um, you got to cut off all three fingies with the fingy shears to get at that ring. I kind of loved that tiny detail because like they do make a very uh, clear point that there is some rigor and some mortis uh, that has happened to this body. First you rigor, then you mortis. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I kind of loved the, like in my mind, I was like, clearly they cut off one finger, but like he probably couldn't. He probably like could not access one without getting the other too you yeah. know yeah yeah they yeah. were big shears. The shears were so quiet yeah probably <laughs> standards and practices <laughs> it wouldn't they wouldn't sound like that if this episode come made today i can oh, tell you that, that much. made me feel bad in my body jenny um okay three fingies down scully and Mulder are at the morgue discussing this scully says to Mulder, i think that since jack has been living and breathing this case for three years because they find his prints Willis's prints, Jack Willis's prints are on Dupre's body. Scully thinks this is post-traumatic psychosis. He has been so immersed in this case for so long that this is this is the reason. We learn about Lula. Lula's headshot 
I don't know what we want to call it, but like the photo that they're using on like America's Most Wanted and whatever is like, she seems like the coolest bitch in town. She looks like like an artist slash activist who's just like doing her art and like, you know, causing revolution. Like that's the vibe I'm getting from Lula, you know, Lula of the past. We learned that she was serving 10 years, um, that... Dupre was a prison guard and that my favorite detail of this entire bit is that Scully has to establish how much they fucked in front of Lula's cellmate like they fucked in front of uh, me Lula's cellmate all the time (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah so yeah uh, one week after she was released after her 10 year sentence a series of robberies kick off. So far, seven people have been killed and $100,000 has been stolen. Doesn't $100,000 seem a little light, even yeah. in 1993 money? Yeah, I was pretty disappointed. Feels like you guys are doing it wrong. Uh-huh. I was really disappointed at their haul. Maybe it's because they keep shooting people as they're trying to fill the bags with cash. You know what I mean? Like, maybe just give them a minute and you'll have more money to leave the bank <laughs> right. with. Um, right, right. One of uh, my favorite Mulder lines to date, he says... <laughs> So seriously to Scully. I don't think this was a simple necrophiliac mutilation. Oh, just not it's just not one of those simple necrophiliac. Okay, sure, sir. Uh, yeah, he's quick to note that they were married. He's like, oh, of those three fingers, one of them would have had a wedding ring on it. His little gears are T-U-R-N-I-N-G. Oh. Sitting in a tree, T-U-R-N-I-N-G. Okay. That's right. Willis, we're just going to call him Willis. He's Dupre now, but he's Dupre Willis. Willis Dupre. He's at the (laughs) house where he used to, question mark, hang with Lula. We hear Chekhov's airplane go above the apartment. Yep, yep. She's gone, as is whatever he's looking for inside of the fireplace. Bunch of money. Bunch of stolen money, I would guess. Uh, And then, well, 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 if it isn't the bloody stippling of an incoming supernatural tattoo (laughs) coming in on his arm. I literally, my last note in the scene is, but why? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I also said, honestly, why? Yeah. So in, are they in Mulder's office in this next scene? My office. my location at is blank. Okay, great. They're in an office. They're definitely somewhere, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Great. The shears, the fingy shears, mm-hmm. were operated left-handed. Willis was right-handed, is right-handed, but Dupre was a lefty. Mm-hmm. Ho ho. Also, in addition to his, oh my God, they're different handednesses. Uh, Mulder also has the EKG that was recorded when Willis was, quote, revived. Um, he's incredible. In your medical opinion, he's so sassy. He loves, just like we love when she calls herself a medical doctor, so does Mulder. Oh, yeah. What does this look like? And we heard this clip at the top, right? Um, this is two heartbeats. Two men died in that crash room, says Mulder. One man came back. It's time to go to the University of Maryland, to the Department of Near-Death Experience. I mean, biology. (laughs) 
and talk to Professor Varnes. Kristen, can I read you a little bit of this conversation? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Varnes is like, what can you tell me about near-death experiences, Agent Scully? <laughs> Scully says, the usual stuff, the tunnel, the light, people rising up and viewing their own bodies. And Varn says, as a scientist, how do you account for the phenomenon? She says, some sort of dissociative, hallucinatory activity. Varnes chuckles. <laughs> and he says, did you know that half of all adults who have had near-death experiences cannot wear a watch? The increased electrical activity in their bodies renders the watches on their wrists inoperable. Then he goes on to say, now I know this sounds kooky, but as any biologist will tell you, when cells die and genetic material begins to unfold like a flower, a tremendous charge of energy is released. What do you think about that? I think it's cool as fuck. And I also looked up studies and like this is pulled from real studies. It seems... I just believed him. I'm so glad you looked it up. <laughs> it seems like almost nearing the... F- is Are there pheromones in humans or are there not place? Like, it feels mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the margins that I read about seemed like right on the cusp of being like, this is proven, you know? So I don't know that I can... Again, scientists, please pick up your writing utensils to write me a letter, scan it, and email it over to hello at bufferingcast.com. <laughs> but... Um, I think this is fucking cool. And I, I think, I mean, maybe that's what I love the most about this episode is it's really blurring the line between what is science and what is paranormal. And it's, that is such a wiggly line, right? Because energy is kind of spooky when you think about it and like, we're full of it. And what happens to like, and that's like that is the whole Dupre Willis thing. Like I think uh, Latoya said something like this in her production notes, right? That it's sort of like no, neither Mulder or Scully is really wrong this time. Yeah, which Love is to see it fun. Like it is that is fun. You know what else is fun? <laughs> A tale I'm about oh, to tell you. Oh God! A nice story, as Mulder yeah. says. Yes, Professor Varnes has like a sweet little bedtime story. He says, there was a pilot in my support group who died in a commuter plane crash along with his three passengers. He was revived in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, the only survivor. It was soon after that that the visions started. Visions of making love to his wife, but in ways and places that weren't in his memory. Now it turns out that one of the dead passengers on the plane was having an affair with his wife the dead passenger's memory his consciousness had survived through the pilot and scully's like so what happened Barnes says the pilot became increasingly disoriented until one day he strangled his wife with an extension cord and then professor varnes smiles and walks away (laughs) he's so delighted by this tale He thinks it's cool like I think it's cool. Where is the line between biology and near-death experience magic? Totally, totally, totally. Good shit. What are the fucking odds that you die in a plane crash with somebody who's having an affair with your wife and that's the slip of paper that gets inserted into your body? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. That's some wild shit. Speaking of wild shit, (laughs) 
It's time for the sexual tension words already. No, it's not. <laughs> Scully is priming us for the sexual tension words. <laughs> Scully would like to nominate herself and her instructor at the academy, aka Jack Willis, who she dated for a year. Mulder says the plot thickens. That's not all that thick. Um, okay. Yeah, excited. I'm excited that Scully has an ex on the scene. Um, I uh, feel like we got more with Mulder's ex, you know what I mean, than we got yeah, with Yeah, yeah. It's, it's certainly no, I've left a mysterious cassette tape on yeah. your dashboard. There's no misty night in Windersham here. There's no. simply ice fishing. Uh, There's a snowy <laughs> night where he wraps her in a blanket. <laughs> Oh, my God. Having just watched uh, Twilight Eclipse with you last night, Jenny. Um, yes. Brings to mind the warmth of Jacob's body keeping Bella cold when Edward cannot. Anyway. God bless. Um, they had the same birthday, but Jack could never relax. He was always so intense, you know? <laughs> Scully is... This is like a move that I feel most folks are familiar with when like, you know that someone has a crush on you, you know, there's some flirtation happening. And so you know that the entrance of an ex and the conversation around that is going to sort of like ignite more of those feelings and what have you. Scully is rolling around in this shit. You know, she's like going down, at one point she was going down the staircase. She comes back up the staircase to go back down it again because she's so <laughs> stoked about like telling Mulder that, you know, I asked it last week, but I, she's basically telling Mulder that she fucks, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She ends this conversation by saying uh, to Mulder that, listen, because he's he's like, oh, so he was intense. Are you saying that he's like capable of this, that or the other thing? And she's like, it's a really long journey from saying that he had a near death experience to saying that his body was inhabited by Dupre. Um, she's flirting with this line big time <laughs> and I like it. Um, Jenny, before we go to the next scene, I just realized that I said that you and I had watched Twilight Eclipse last night and folks might be like, what? We didn't go to that live watch. Where was that live watch? And so uh, also appropriate contextually for this podcast, you should know that it was not a group watch. It was simply me and my current wife and Jenny and Jenny's current wife doing a watch for fun all together of Twilight Eclipse. <laughs> That's what we do. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. It was almost one year ago that uh, <laughs> Jess and I peer pressured you into watching whatever the second movie in the Twilight franchise is. Yes, Twilight. Now we're just something chugging along towards the bitter end mm -hmm. poor avanti got sucked right into the current you know she got, yep. she's yep. no helping her now she's on the twilight express mm -hmm. all right so lula has a brother his name is tommy yeah and her brother thinks this guy's name is dupree not dupre isn't that interesting <laughs> this yeah. actor did not get to chat with anybody about how they were saying this name <laughs> um Kristen, my biggest nitpick with this scene is that held at gunpoint, Tommy's like, I'm not I'm not wearing any clothes. I don't have any clothes on. But then he stands up and he's just straight up wearing pants. <laughs> he's wearing a full pair of pants. Maybe he just meant he wasn't wearing a shirt and he was embarrassed. You know, he didn't want anybody mm -hmm. to see his man nipples. 
Um, uh, I related to Dupre Willis, Willis Dupre, uh, when he just went into somebody else's fridge <laughs> and started <laughs> chugging a beer with the kind of day that he's been having. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get it, man. I thought you were going to say that you related to him when he was like stroking the television lovingly. And I was like, go on. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Tommy is waiting (sighs) to see his sister on the television um, because she is uh, on America's Most Wanted, I think, is actually set. Like the whole thing is set in this episode of The X-Files, which is a real thing. America's Most Wanted was like the American Idol of the early 90s. You know what I mean? (laughs) what no just like people don't know what you mean there was a number you could call (laughs) you could vote yeah you could vote for who you wanted most no I just mean like it had it like really caught the attention of the United States at least to the place where Mm. I was in a way that felt very like obsessive and participatory sort of like American Idol I'm not saying that this is a great comparison okay but that's Mm. not why you come to this podcast or me so you're welcome (laughs) Um, anyway, there she is, our famous artist slash activist from the 1970s, Lula. Incredible timing. Um, and Willis, this is where Tommy should have gotten the fuck out of Dodge. You know what I mean? Get, it, this man is, his whole head is inside the TV. He's soliloquying to the television. Tommy, get the fuck out of there. But Tommy doesn't. Um, do- <laughs> Willis Dupre is like. Even ugliness is beautiful because of her. Oh my God. Sir. Stop it. <laughs> and Dupre uh, says, you know, accuses Tommy of selling them out to the FBI and, and shoots Tommy. Yeah. Everything that's like really violent in this episode, I feel like, is done off screen. The fingy cut off screen, the gunshot off screen. And I'm here for it. I always like when I have to imagine a thing more than seeing it in reality. Because I get to decide how much I'd like to imagine, you know? Yeah, that's nice. Except for what Officer Bruskin comes in delivering in the next scene. I love Officer Bruskin, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me all about what he has to say. He very, like, matter-of-factly, barely any inflection, excitedly, almost as excited as what's-his-face that you love, the professor from before, says to Scully, the rats found him first. Uh, yeah, he was her brother, but not a lot of family resemblance left between the rats and the 45 he took in the face. Bruskin, like, <laughs> chewing on his nicotine gum and commenting on that as well. I love this man. I mostly love him because Dude. this is insane, but then later he, like, defends Mulder, and I just feel like Bruskin has layers, you know? <laughs> I like him. He does. He does. Mulder is, like, snooping about the crime scene uh, and is, like, fucking has his little, like, compass out and is, like, the angle upon which the blood spatter is seems to suggest he was watching television. Was the TV on when you came into the room? No, it wasn't. So then he finds a fingerprint on (sighs) the TV screen. And then Willis shows up. Looking sketchy as hell trying to get into this crime scene with no ID. Uh, he's not like, like I took a note. I was like, he's so sweaty. And then I looked at him again and was like, he's not sweaty at all, but he has like a very sweaty energy. Yeah. He, yeah. He does appear to be wet at so many times when he is not (laughs) wet. (laughs) Scully vouches for him, um, to get him into the room. And he has this moment where he like sees 
Scully with her gun, shooting him slash Dupre, whatever. Um, I just want to give a moment to the the growth. I, that's the wrong word, but Scully and her gun have come a long way in a short span of time. You know what I mean? She barely used her gun. Then she used it one time in an air duct. She shot her gun just a couple episodes ago, an episode ago, and now she shot and killed someone. So it's just there's a lot of development happening with Scully and her briefcase gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he tells Scully he doesn't know where he's been. He just kind of woke up in the street, um, and she wants to take him to a hospital. He says no, but she demands that he at least get a medical and psych evaluation, which he agrees to. This man is so confident for someone who is inhabiting a body and an entire life that he has no familiarity with. Yeah, later when he's just, like, in Willis's office, I'm like, how did he even know where right to go and is it like because we get as the episode like goes on we get the sense that there is still some of willis in there like it isn't only right. to pray because he can access some of the memories when scully says them so i I, ha- I guess i have a little room for some of it but it just i just feel like he's so if this happened to me i would mm-hmm. uh, take at least a week or two to study the body that I was in and its life before I went out there putting my fingerprints on everything, you know? (laughs) Give it a minute, man. Willis knows that Tommy was killed with a forty-five. He says that was Lula's weapon of choice. I know this fucking case. I've spent years on this case. You have to, like, let me stay in the game, coach. Um, And then he hears that Mulder found a fingy print on the TV screen. He's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So at the shooting range, Willis Dupre is practicing. and He's doing great. Uh, notably, he's shooting left-handed. And Mulder shows up with a birthday card for Scully. If anybody should know her birthday, it's Jack. And he's like, oh, it's birthday, Scully. Could you sign it? And he's like, yeah, I love to celebrate the good times. <laughs> and he signs the card also left-handed. I love uh, Mulder scheming. You know, like Mulder yeah, just sitting yeah, thinking, yeah. like, how can I get this guy a birthday yeah, yeah, card? Yeah. He races to toss this card on Scully's desk as though it were an (laughs) X-File. Have you ever heard of the birthday file, Scully? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah, and Mulder says, like, hey, look, he signed it with his fucking left hand, and he doesn't even remember his own goddamn birthday. And Scully's like, well, okay, my favorite line in this entire thing, and it's skipping to the end, we'll talk about the rest of the scene as needed, is when Scully and all of her reasoning says, stress can significantly affect someone's cursive standard. Mulder says their signatures don't match. Stress can affect your cursive standard? That is a reach, ma'am. That is a real reach. I'm not. Is this? Is it? Is that true? I mean, it just feels like the guy's using his left hand, not his right. He doesn't remember his own birthday. Like, I get, I I have some room for some of what Scully is saying, like post-traumatic stuff. He's not okay, whatever. But it just feels like a real stretch and she's kind of pissed at Mulder in the in the beginning of this exchange because she's like why would you test him and that's when Mulder explains like hey you know that fucking print that I found it's missing um and he thinks Willis took it dude yeah I mean Willis transported it so like what else are you supposed to think yeah can you accept says Scully for I'm sure the one millionth time that this might not be an x-file Mulder. No, <laughs> never. Have you looked well, at the title card of this show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, that's a reasonable request, which immediately follows Mulder's, I feel like, less reasonable request. Can you at least accept the possibility that during his near death experience, some kind of psychic transference <laughs> occurred? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. All right, Willis, who has found his desk somehow, um, he's looking through pictures. He sees uh, Dupre slash himself dead, and then he sees his best wife ever, Lula. Um, The (laughs) phone fucking rings. Scully is outside the door when Willis blows out and says he's gotten a break. A landlord called and said he saw Lula. Scully asks him about the missing print. So, like, hmm. She believes Mulder a lit on some level. I mean, she's couching it in like post-traumatic psychosis, but she asks him, he's pissed. Are you implying something, Agent Scully? But then he's like, also, are you coming? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so at a location I've dubbed Lula's hideout. (laughs) Nice. Lula's hidey hole. (laughs) Correct. Willis Dupre arrives with Scully in tow, and uh, he's like, well, yeah, I definitely called for backup. I don't know where they are. And then then they see her down the hall. She's holding a basket of laundry. You never think of fugitives doing Mm -hmm. laundry. It's true. You know, it's got to happen sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He and if you were Scully and you heard this man say, look, that's her, the way that this man does. Wouldn't you be like <laughs> something? Is yeah, up- especially especially given the circumstances of this entire thing and that there is no backup. Like to run, this is like three episodes for three, Scully. Stop putting yourself directly in the most danger ever or writers stop making Scully put herself in so much danger so Lula runs and run Lula run you know Scully yes 
That's why. Yes. Uh, they chase her and they chase her into the steamy pipes part of the building. The it's red sort of like the steamy combo pipes. Steamy pipes and hang dry section of the basement. My landlord, when I lived in a big apartment building in Crown Heights, uh, like the our like laundry stuff was downstairs. And so like I would do my laundry and, and bring it back up to my apartment to dry. But my landlord or not my landlord, but the super of the building who lived there, um, his laundry was always hanging up in the basement drying. So this was like incredibly relatable content for me. I was like, oh, Mo- oh. <laughs> Moltrovich is doing his laundry, too. He's hanging up downstairs. <laughs> Uh, uh, Lula attacks Scully with a bat but Scully overpowers her and cuffs her then Willis Dupre rolls up and tosses Scully handcuffs and Scully's like I already cuffed her and he's like those are for you ah, ring, uh, ring, ring, ring. Scully now are you willing to accept the possibility of a psychic transference Scully no absolutely not Put them on or I will blow you in half. Okay, that's violent. You know. Dramatic, yeah. dramatic. Uh, and then he does that thing you hate with oh. the thumb lick. Oh, like t- the the sharp turn from thumb rub to thumb lick. You know, that was in the span of one episode. That's a lot for me. Don't ever, if you want me to never look at you or talk to you ever again, lick any of your fingers and wipe it on my face. I will be gone forever. I will never, <laughs> never. I have two uh, of my favorite children visiting from Australia right now, and they are the only ones that will get away with anything even near to that. And the little one is constantly pretending she's going to do something, but then licking me instead. And even her, she's simply three. And I'm still like, dude, that's fucking gross. Stop putting your tongue on my body, you know? Yeah, Aldrich has just entered the stage where he'll just, like, be, uh, we call it uh, point blanking, where, <laughs> you know, you're holding him, and then all of a sudden he just, like, turns his head so his, like, nose is, like, a quarter of an inch away from yours, and he's just, like, smiling really big. He's been doing that for a while, but now he just added a step where he's smiling with his mouth open and his tongue's kind of sticking out, and then he just, like, wipes his whole open mouth and tongue, like, across your jaw. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, God damn it. Yeah, yeah. Limited window for such behavior. And Willis yeah. Dupre is far past that far window. Far past the age cap. Gross. My my note is he, all capitals, licks, regular his, all capital finger, little two, <laughs> capital clean, little her, capital face. <laughs> I was mad. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, the airport apartment. Uh, we're back here, and Willis is trying to prove that he is Dupre to Lula. Dude, this dude got married to her and then slit his palm and then slit her palm, and then while their blood dripped down into the ocean, said, this is so we can get married in all the oceans in the world. You know what? Maybe no. that's romantic if you're not this man. I can't tell anymore, but I just, I can't. <laughs> I need Lula to keep his insulin from him as soon as possible. <laughs> what are the odds that Dupre and Willis would be the same ring size? Ooh, good question. Don't worry. What are the odds that I don't throw up when he says, it won't make any difference in the dark? Gross. Okay. So later, at Lula's hideout building, Mulder and Bruskin swing by and talk to the super. It's established that Scully and Willis's vehicle 
is still out front, but nobody knows where they are. And Bruskin's like, this isn't one of your X-Files, is it? Ah, my reputation precedes me, thinks Mulder. Oh, I love I love this moment between Bruskin and Mulder, though, because Mulder says it doesn't actually matter what I think because we're after the same thing. That seems like a very yeah. important piece of inner self-knowledge to have um, because they are. They both want to crack this case. They want to save Scully. So who the fuck cares if it's post-traumatic psychosis or the transference of yourself as a slip of paper, you know? Just get Dana back. Get Dana. Also, are they going to stiff this super on his reward? Like, he called the tip line, and I feel like the vibe is that they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll call you about that. And I'm like, hey, that's not nice. No, no, I got the sense that it's just kind of a bureaucracy issue. I mean, they are a bureau, so there's going to be a certain amount of inherent bureaucracy involved in all operations, but especially getting tip line providers paid. Moltrevik, if you listen to this podcast, will you just call us and let us know if you did indeed get the reward that you were promised? Please. So Dupre Willis calls Mulder and is like, ah, got Scully. (laughs) Mulder's cracks are starting to show yeah uh he's danaing her you know uh yeah his like we're almost there so i'll just wait but he has a moment that really got me in my heart feelings um later but first scully is trying to break willis like really like get him to remember she's calling him jack She's saying, like, you taught me how to fish through the ice. Don't you remember these things? You are my friend. <laughs> oh my God, Jenny. Latoya made a great yeah. point that uh, ice fishing is something that you learn from your dad, not your boyfriend. It was, uh, Latoya's final point in a greater sort of case for uh, Scully dating her instructor equals daddy issues. Yeah. Also, this actor. So, like, I don't I don't she has all the math uh, written out for us, actually. But basically, this actor is 46 or 47 and uh, Gillian Anderson is low 20s. Um, They're supposed to be, I think, 10 years apart in the script. Yeah, he's Uh, supposed to be 36. And Latoya notes that he is a rough 36. (laughs) She also said play the patriarchy jingle if you must, which I couldn't understand if she was like, I love the patriarchy jingle, definitely play it. Or like, you guys, like, you know. So we'll play it and then we'll learn later what she wanted Yeah, for real. The patriarchy! (laughs) Okay. Also, when did Scully get a bloody lip? Like, they just punched her on the way over to the apartment? Because she was fine in the basement when she was cuffed, but... You know, I don't know. Jack has drank every soda in the house. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Slorp. Scully is a medical doctor and explains, Jack Willis was a diabetic, and uh, you were, like, that abdominal pain, that stomach pain you're feeling is the first sign of a diabetic coma. You need to get insulin. Uh, Okay. Then we get a taste of Willis's field notes. They're very vibey. Yeah, Latoya wrote in her production notes that this was the one moment that almost pushed this to a little bit of a higher scary rating, I think, because it is creepy as fuck. 
Uh, yes. So let's hear this little clip that we get of uh, Jack Willis talking about this case. I feel myself getting into their heads, and I'm scared by what I'm feeling. The intoxicating freedom that comes from disconnecting action and consequence. Theirs is a world where nothing matters but their own needs, their own impossible appetites. And while the pleasure they derive from acts of violence is clearly sexual, it also speaks to what Warden Jackson called their operatic devotion to each other. It's a love affair I almost envy. Kristen, the intoxicating freedom that comes from disconnecting action and consequence. Whoa. Also, operatic devotion to each other seems misguided. It seems... <laughs> Footage not found. Yeah. Seems that one of them has enough operatic devotion for the both of them, you know? Yeah. Yes. Correct. But this idea is um, scary, and I feel like, you know, I'm not a person who has a lot of experience, like, reading true crime or watching procedurals or knowing about what happens in these worlds. But I, even with that limited uh, knowledge, I know that, like, getting too deep into a case can fuck with people's heads. Um, You know, like, how much time you spend researching violent criminals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like, that can be terrifying and tricky and scary. Um, And it's, I hope that it's like an idea that is explored a little bit more, not in this particular setting, but just in the X-Files in general, because I think it's scary. Now, if you were trying to stay hidden and you needed insulin, would you not just take more from the pharmacy that you broke into than just insulin because it it just seems like you're really letting everyone know what's happening very clearly. Yeah, I wouldn't say that this is like the best thought out <laughs> situation, but uh, desperate times. Yeah. Desperate measures. Desperate times uh, call for b- wonderful berets. <laughs> Scully is prepping this insulin when Lula is like, actually, no. She has her big reveal. So much for operatic devotion, Kristen. Mm -hmm. I got the money and I got rid of you. At least I thought I did. Scully is like, that is way harsh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. So Lula set up Dupre. Now she's like, fuck your insulin. She calls the FBI. Why not just get away at this point? Like, why use Scully to bribe the FBI for $1 million and not just get away, Lula? Just just go. Yeah, she's got 100 k from the robberies. 100 k and a great beret, you know? So take it and run. She doesn't. She calls with Scully as the bait. The FBI tries to trace the call, but it's just Scully's cell phone. So that's... So, and this was at a time when a cell phone... You couldn't ping... You couldn't ping a tower yet, maybe. Hmm, Mm. interesting. I don't know. But don't worry. They had other tools at their disposal in the audio lab examining a recording of the conversation... Uh oh. Guess what Mulder said to this audio engineer? What what did he say, Jenny? He said, <laughs> Holy ho, 
what's going on here um Some i'm not an audio scientist <laughs> you know but this does feel like the equivalent of zoom in and somehow the resolution will refine to be of higher quality some of it like Again, you know way more than I do about audio, but some of it seemed like it was on the right track, like isolating certain um, kinds of sound from other kinds of sound to get the airplane right. Like sometimes if we like have a recording and there's a hiss, you can like isolate that hiss and take it out. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. maybe you could do this. For me, it was when the sound guy looked at Mulder and said, give me a few minutes and I can tell you the altitude of that plane within a couple hundred feet. I was like, what now? Based on what, sir? <laughs> Seriously. If um, this is what's going on at the FBI, I'd love to get a sit down with one of their audio engineers because I have some questions about mm-hmm. cleaning up some files. <laughs> uh, but this is, of course, uh, Chekhov's airplane, right? We know now... Oh, yeah that we can use the fact that this airplane and and this sound guy doesn't even just hear an airplane and doesn't even just hear it how many feet it's up off the ground. He also can hear if it's landing, taking off, or simply flying, and it is taking off. So this narrows the scope of where they're looking because there's a flight path for the direction in which planes take off. Um, and Mulder goes in to deliver this information. This is the moment when, A, I love Bruskin, and B, I also have heart feelings for Mulder. Wow. Congrats. The FBI kids are fucking around with spooky Mulder. Oh, do you think he fucking has new information on the Kennedy assassination? And Bruskin is like, hey, Mulder's all right. You should pay attention. Maybe you'll learn something from the man. Bruskin, a man with many layers. I do love it. Right? I love it so much. And then Mulder explains all the things I just said. And he does a lot of math, three square miles, a thousand households. With the amount of people that we have that, you know, the calculator buttons are click clacking. We should be able to do this. Divided by Bible salesman outfits. (laughs) Multiplied by telephone repairmen. Mm -hmm, Uh, We mm -hmm. can do it in three hours. But then he ends this whole thing and he gets real serious and kind of teary. And he says... This one is important to me, so let's do it right. Oh, Mulder. Oh, no. My heart. Back at the hideout, Willis Dupre is starting to have his Jack consciousness surface more. He's starting to remember things about his little snowy trip with Dana. Mm -hmm. He remembers a wood stove and the aforementioned wrapping Scully in a blanket. (laughs) But uh uh-oh, he's getting very sleepy. Oh no, Jack, don't close your eyes. This is exactly what happens in Titanic, you know? So Jack, Jack, stay with me, Jack. <laughs> don't close your eyes, keep talking. Okay, so as he's remembering, then like Dupre re-inhabits the consciousness here and he like is gets very violent in his language. My mm-hmm. question here is, Scully looks so shocked when we, the audience, see Dupre's actual face instead of Willis's face in a way that makes me think, did Scully just see? Yeah, is she having a Beyond the Sea part two right now? 
or or uh, this reminded me of space is it space yeah where the like martian man face just like appears on the body <laughs> of the colonel um, uh yes i don't know what i do know is that booker t undercover um is at the door selling lula some bibles black or red <laughs> wow I think that his microphone is like, I know it's not the cross on his jacket, but he talks directly into the cross on his jacket to like communicate with the FBI, which I love. Hell yeah. Lula, classic villain shit. Fucking takes it. Just don't. She takes her ring off. She's like, I fucking never loved you in the first place. And then Jack, Willis, Dupre, whatever, wakes back up again. And he says, you're why I came back. Lula tries to say, I'll go get you the medicine. It's too little too late, Lula. Jack says there's nothing to be afraid of. Um, and that white light, that bright light, it's very, it's great, actually. So you should come along. And then he shoots her. Scully screams. And then Jack actually is dead. And hey, that t- the tattoo fades too, Jenny. Where does it go? Because, like, in my horror-based no. mind, like, it should appear on someone else. You know, like, if you're going to take the tattoo away again, then who's Dupre now? Yeah, yeah. I Did the tattoo fade off of Dupre's body in the morgue? Yeah. So that it could appear on Jack Willis's body? Yeah. So did it go back to Dupre, then? <gasps> if you are well, we the dead body of Dupre, can you call us and tell us if there's a tattoo on your arm or not? Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Can you call us? Call us at our podcast. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Back at the FBI, Kristen. Scully is cleaning up Jack's desk. Mulder brings her his watch, which is engraved from Dana. It was a gift. Jack was a big brother. He was in the big brother program. And Dana has to go tell his little brother. What am I going to tell him? The official story. Which is? Fugitive Lula Phillips died yesterday in a shootout with federal agents, which also resulted in the death of Special Agent Jack Willis, killed in the line of duty. What am I supposed to tell myself? Good night. not working. It stopped. At 6.47. The exact time that Jack went into cardiac arrest at the hospital. What does that mean? It means... It means whatever you want it to mean. Good night. It means whatever you want it to mean. What does she want it to mean? And why in this whole episode did Mulder not say, hey, what do you think happens after we die? Because why? I need to know. Her dad just died. This is an entire episode about the afterlife, near-death experiences. Can we just ask Dana Scully what she thinks happens? It feels like the gateway to opening up some really important shit. But no. Also, Jenny, when do we get to start calling Dana Scully D? Because that's how... 
she signed the watch. Happy 35th, love D. Speaking of loving D, I did that. Let on us purpose. turn For now <laughs> to the Sexual Tension Awards. <laughs> So thoughtful of you, Kristen. Mm. Uh, today we decided to just go buck wild and expand our normal collection, our normal offering of four slots to six slots. I'm shaking my head because it's chaos. It's gonna, it's, it's throwing things into chaos. We and I, I solemnly swear I will not allow this to happen more than a couple of times in this entire podcast because boy, does it split the votes. But it's a special occasion. Um, so All slots, all the time, <laughs> teeming with noms. Uh, so many filthy noms. You just want to lick your thumb and Ew! use it to clean Ew! them up. In slot number one, it's the mothership. It's Mulder and Scully. They, you know, yeah. they're doing great in this episode. Mulder's dealing with Scully's ex being around. Uh Scully is dealing with her ex being inhabited by the consciousness of a murderer. It's a whole thing. In slot number two, we have the curious case of a man who loved love just a little too much. <laughs> it's Dupre and Loving Lula. <laughs> loving Lula sounds like a Netflix original series adapted from a YA novel. A thousand percent. In slot number three, we have a pairing that is really, you know, more of a pursuit than a relationship. You know, it's a man consumed. I just want everyone at home to know that Jenny looks directly into my eyeballs when she does this. Like, it's not, it's so clear to me that my eyeballs are being like bored into by her eyeballs. <laughs> Consumed by a quest that he neither can nor desires to deny. Mm -hmm. It's Jack Willis and the case. In slot number four, this is a Kristen nom. Uh, Kristen's really into this. I don't even remember Uh, what it is. Uh, You can tell by the way she was photographed. For her nightly news oh, uh, yeah. image showing. Fuck yeah. Uh, just exactly what Lula was about, you know? Our pairing here is Lula and being an independent woman. Fuck yeah. Might even change that one to Lula and being an independent criminal. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Although I love it. To I'm, woman it's is what human. To criminal is divine. <laughs> I love that it's what I'm into. Jenny actually is not into uh, being an independent woman. Only Kristen. So Correct. Correct. It's like really more of your thing. The next one is more my thing. Um, stories are what drive us, I feel like, as a society. Sure. Uh, we live and breathe stories. Perhaps now more than ever. Uh, and there is a man in this episode so devoted to stories and sharing them. Uh, And he takes such delight, no matter the content. And I really appreciate that. I feel seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also feel like I'm seeing. Uh, This pairing is (laughs) Professor Varnes 
and sharing terrible macabre stories with people. (laughs) And finally, probably the best smelling pairing. Definitely the best smelling pairing. Being an independent criminal doesn't smell that great, you know? (laughs) No, and Dupre loving Lula does not smell good. Smells fucking awful, actually. (laughs) One of the things about a great partnership is that you lift each other up. (laughs) You take each other to new heights. And it is with that in mind that I nominate our final pair of noms for this installment of the Sexual Attention Awards. It's Special Agent Fox Mulder and Moose. Wow. Incredible, Jenny. Some lofty hair in this episode, Kristen. Yeah. No, it's good shit. It's good shit. I can't, I don't even know what's going to happen. Six fucking ways you can vote. Good luck. (laughs) If you're still alive and you haven't starved to death while waiting for me to finish this round of the Sexual Tension Award noms, please cast your vote in our beautiful STA poll. You can find it by going to bufferingcast.com slash STA, and that will take you directly to our poll on Patreon. You don't need to be a patron to vote. You just need to have an opinion. Usually it'll take you there. Last week, I forgot the H and HTTP, so it didn't take you there for a minute, but I fixed it, guys. I fixed it. Thank you for your service, Kristen. You do so much behind the scenes that, uh, so much that I never even have to think about or know about. It's truly inspiring. We did a um, a concert recently where Jenny was like, wow, I wish we could like hang out like this all the time. Is there any way that we could like hang out more? And everyone in the chat was like, you could come to book club. <laughs> Jenny was like, nah. I was like, there's a book club? <laughs> Anyway, my God, I'm sorry. I usually don't talk much in the Sexual Attention Award segment, but I got chatty. Sexual Attention Award. Okay. I'm now going to lower a bucket down into the pit. (laughs) Why is it in a pit? (laughs) Well, I had to dig a really deep pit to fit all the noms in the various slots. Oh. And now I'm I'm putting a ladder down into the pit so everyone can climb out. Oh, to get out. I thought my crystal ball was down in a pit. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. Your your crystal ball is at the highest of heights, and I want everybody to be able to access it. So that's why I got I got the ladder. I commissioned okay. the ladder, especially for this Great. episode. So everybody come on up. Perfect. Um shake it off. Rinse off all the lotion. Gross. Uh- what lotions and pits go together like oh my mother God. and scully stop <laughs> okay um <laughs> let us let us forget everything we just learned forget everything that just happened and gaze lovingly and with open hearts into the reassuring amethyst glow of Kristen's crystal ball what is our fate to be As you know, the crystal ball is now open for submissions. You can simply ask the crystal ball any question you'd like at crystalball at bufferingcast.com. And this question was submitted by Drew, our listener Drew, 
do you think the show will ever 100% confirm or deny the existence of aliens? If so, when? And I guess if you feel they've already confirmed it for you, do you think Scully will ever be convinced? And if so, when? It's a lot of... Drew, you snuck in a lot of questions in there, okay? (laughs) It didn't take up much space, but there's a lot going on. The show didn't have to confirm the existence of aliens for me because it was already confirmed. So I came in as a believer. I didn't even just want to believe I already believed. Um, But Scully is another question altogether I, I think that the show Wait, Kristen yeah I think I think Drew's asking does the show confirm or deny the existence of aliens within the show oh okay okay but they already did they already have we've seen so okay. many aliens already um so yes the confirmed uh, the show in the show universe the existence of aliens is already confirmed by I don't even need a crystal ball for that one will it ever be 100% confirmed for Scully yes it will be when not for a long time what I want to happen and what the crystal ball wants to happen is for the world that we currently live in in the year 2023 to formally confirm the existence of aliens at the same moment when that is confirmed for Scully. That would make me happy. On your watch. On my watch. Yes. On my watch. Not right. Yes. Yes. On on our watch of the X-Files, I would like those timelines to sync up. Um, but the crystal ball doesn't really give me a clear idea of when except for not for a while. Like, I grew up watching soap operas a lot and so there's like there's this like part of me that's like oh my god you know she's gonna fucking believe in the aliens but then she's gonna get bonked on the head and she's gonna forget everything and then we're gonna have to start again at the beginning again with scully you know what i mean (laughs) and then she'll have an evil twin oh my god i wish (laughs) um please write in with your questions again i i will keep them to the x-files where necessary but they do not need to be kept to only the x-files you want me to guess what your boyfriend's going to give you for your birthday? You know, I'll just ask. Mm. Jenny mm. looked at me like she had a boyfriend and was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, what am I forgetting? <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh, Kevin's mom in Home Alone on the plane, <laughs> slapping my, both sides of my face, being like, oh, my boyfriend. <laughs> I like that you were Kevin's mom on the plane, but you were also slapping both sides of your face, which is what Kevin does. Right. Yeah. I guess I, I conflate <laughs> her on the plane yelling Kevin and Kevin putting on aftershave. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Um. Well, Jenny? Kristen, I'd say the status of this X-File is married in all the oceans of the world. Wow. Romantic. And God bless. Or gross, depending on who says it. You know? <laughs> hey, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And uh, when I'm not watching The X-Files or Buffy, I'm usually writing, recording, and performing live music. <laughs> uh, I have a new album coming out September 22nd on Yep Rock Records. The second single, Knife Went In, is out now. And you could pre-order the record right at this very moment. You could also get tickets for my fall tour dates in Nashville, New York, D.C., Philly, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle at JennyOwenYoungs.com. 
You can also talk to me anytime on Twitter or X, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, (laughs) at Jenny Owen Youngs. I want at some point to to try to do the list of cities without looking at anything um, that you're going to You want to do the list of cities or you want me to? I want to try to do it by myself on one of these episodes. I need a couple more times, though. Also, I'll definitely say all of the wrong cities, and it'll be really bad for your marketing, but you love me, so it's okay. I am Kristen Russo, and uh, when I'm not watching The X-Files or Buffy or Yellow Jackets and talking about it with Jenny, honestly, these days, I'm writing a book with Jenny. That is the real honest truth of what most of our time is spent doing. We're writing a book about the journey through Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so, you know, maybe we'll finish it someday anyone's guess i also do work with lgbtq plus communities you can learn more about me on my website kristin nolene that's k-r-i-s-t-i-n-o-e-l-i-n-e did i get it i got confused no <laughs> k-r-i-s-t-i-n-n-o-e-l-i-n-e.com yes I feel real weird about social media these days, but I am on Instagram at Kristen Nolene, and I I don't know. I can't even open the the X app. When I see the logo, it makes me mad, so I'm really not fucking around over there anymore, but um, I'm, I might be fucking around on threads. It's anyone's guess, so just, I don't know. Just stay tuned, you know? You could find Buffering, a rewatch adventure across social media platforms at buffering cast and there's never really been a better time in these uncertain hours <laughs> in the social media landscape there's never been a better time to sign up for our newsletter which you can do at bufferingcast.com newsletter you could drop us an email at hello at bufferingcast.com and you can write to the crystal ball at crystal ball at bufferingcast.com You can support us on Patreon. We would love it if you did. We have a lot of fun things happening over there. Patreon.com slash BufferingCast. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen-Youngs, and LaToya Ferguson, with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Until next time, the pod is... Kristen's looking at me disgustedly, wondering what... I can't wretched think thing. Of, I can't think of a joke. <laughs> Pod is out there or inside of Jack Willis's body. <laughs> <laughs>
guarding the edge of the firelight against the darkness beyond. They save lives and souls. But can this knowledge be contained? Should it be contained? And if it breaks loose, what next? This project was first presented in 2015, but it feels more urgent than ever today. We're excited to share it with you again. You can listen to Bookburners wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at realm.fm.